All right, I'm Dan, and welcome to the Stage Fright Podcast, where we talk about mental health while working in creative industries. Today on the show, I'm talking to Sam Tanner. It's the best job in the world. It gets his ups and downs, yeah. as you know, but you feel weird complaining about it. Sam is a touring session musician. Somebody said to me once, if you don't get nervous before you go on, you shouldn't really be doing it. I never thought about it before, but critique is a very big part of our job. If you mix and write and produce, you're criticising snare drums or, or bass sounds and stuff, so you're constantly in this critical world. We talk about the business of music. Then after us, there was an Elvis tribute. The guy was just a fat bloke in an Elvis suit. <laughs> And I said, that right there is the business. And is there really a difference between the different levels of gigs we play? As soon as the words Wembley Stadium come into your head, you start thinking for some reason you've got to be even more on your game. But all it is is more people that don't give a shit. (laughs) Yeah! And it was nice to hear that I'm not the only working session musician that doesn't read music. I never read music. I'm not ignorant to it, I've just never did. And so I learned Minecraft by listening and yeah. trying to copy. And then Sam asks me the most important question. When you started out doing music, what was your goal? To impress girls. <laughs> well, sorry, yeah, I missed that one out, didn't I? Yeah. You're listening to the Stage Fright Podcast. Here's Sam Tanner. I- I'm not a... I'm not an elitist or purist when it comes to musical instruments. You can make you can make things sound good if you if you if you're any good. But. And I don't think you, you need to be when you're when you're a musician. You you can't really be an elitist. You can't turn up to a gig first day and go, well, I can't play because it's not a Steinway. Oh, no. People no. go, all right, we'll just get someone that Tosser. doesn't. Have, yeah. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Totally. You can't be that. No, and there's plenty of bands that that, as you know, uh, it, when they get to a certain level, um, they refuse to do gigs unless they've got their yeah. particular piece of equipment. Yeah. Hundred um, percent, and I can tell you a couple of stories of bands that, that have that have had that on gigs that I've done, and it's delayed the proceedings. Like mm-hmm. you know, we've been like it's the day before the gig, we've all had four days of rehearsals leading up to the gig, and then and then you know it's they're just doing the production rehearsals and getting everything just sort of ironed out and tweaked. Yeah, and the, and one of the bands, the lead guy, just goes, "Well, no, I, I can't play, and this is a Yamaha CP30." It's like, well. You know that the C on that is the same as a C on a, yeah. <laughs> yeah. you know, but yeah, I oh know, but it's got that's the one I'm used to. Like, well, you know, so you're you're letting yourself down. That's a not being bit a musician. Here. You need yeah. to be able to adapt. You should really. Yeah. I mean, if you're a piano player, at least somehow a friend of mine. Uh, I won't mention his name because he'd be embarrassed. But he, that's what I was going to say. If you if you want to mention anyone, I can bleep it out because this is oh, all this will cool, be cool. fully no edited. So yeah, no problem, fine. mate. No problem. Um, so yeah, Mick Hucknall. Yeah. No, I'm joking. He's not. He's not. He's not a friend of mine. He's not a friend of mine. That's fine. I don't know the guy. I met him though. No, anyway. But oh. Wait, oh, should we start by saying who you are and what you do? <laughs> People might be listening to this. Yeah, <laughs> who is this bloke who just walked in and just sort of start talking about piano? <laughs> uh, okay. Well, my name's Sam Tanner, and I'm a, a keyboard player and lead singer of several bands. The main band being a band called Brother Strut, which is like a funk and soul band. But I've played with several people over the years and and, and backed them up. And, and so I've my main instrument is piano and I yeah. sing. So that's 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 who I am yeah. in a nutshell. But um, are you so- songwriter, songwriter, session, session, well, yeah, session, session guy? Yeah, yeah, I've done the lot. And so, as you know, when you, you get to a point where you you focus on one thing or, or, or one thing tends to be the thing you do a lot more of mm. as you go on yeah <clears throat> for me um it's always it's always writing and production is where i come from that's my background cool so i've always have to have a studio set up always have to have something where i can sit down and play and write yeah. um but i get my money from gigs mm. so we, we we work and we, we get paid from gigs yeah so do you enjoy it I love it. I love it. Yeah. You know, it's the best job in the world. It's got, it's arsy. It gets its ups and downs, yeah. as you know. Yeah. But you feel weird complaining about it. Yeah, exactly. You sort of get back from a gig and you go, oh God, you know, I, did I had to set up at like six o'clock and I didn't eat food <laughs> until like seven and like, you know, and I didn't get in till one in the morning and all I'd done was play like two and a half hours in and you find yourself going, yeah, yeah, I don't There's know builders out there yeah. that are like crushing their hands. <laughs> so like, legs in coming out, so like, people are like, Picking crap off the floor and sort of doing rubbish work in the daytime, going, yeah, mate, yeah, and no, I'll feel your pain, yeah, yeah, and that's that's sort of the point of why I started why I started this podcast really because it's sort of a safe space for people to be able to come and actually just complain and say, yeah. right, these are the shit bits about the job, yeah. and also just to make people realise that it's not just about being Ed Sheeran. It, there's like this whole other world of job roles. There's the grassroots <clears throat> stuff, mate. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know. It, it, People, that is a perception, though, with the public. Mm. The pub. Us as musicians, we're always complaining. We're allowed to. That's mm. part of our job. 
You know, is that we 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 work in a very critical environment most of our lives. We're either criticizing the way we practice, or if you mix and write and produce, you're criticizing yeah. snare drums mm. or, or bass sounds and stuff. So you're constantly in this critical world. So as soon as something comes on the telly that, that you think is a bit crap, you, you, you go, oh, Christ, now, what is this shit? <laughs> yeah. you, know, it's, you know, I watched the um, King's Coronation thing the other day. Yeah. And uh, all I'd done for an hour and a half was sort of basically slate everybody. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, was, it was terrible. I was, I was sort of sitting there going, well, that's off. That's really out of key. What is she playing there? Like, and, so I, and I was thinking, oh, my God. Lionel Richie, God bless him. I was so shocked with that. Well, I didn't see that. You didn't see it. So you came. Oh, you didn't see it. Right. So basically, it was it was the concert after the coronation. The, yeah, thing. I watched a bit of the first coronation, but the concert I was out for. The so, concert but, on yeah. the Sunday night. So yeah, I had a I had a rare Sunday night off. Yeah. <laughs> we sat there and thought, well, let's watch let's watch the music and moan. <laughs> so, you, know, you know, so I just thought, yeah, that's a great idea. So we sat there and and Lionel, bless him, you know. He, he came on and he sang uh, all night long. Didn't even sound like Lionel Richie. Really? I was like, oh my goodness. Wow. He sounds completely different. But I found myself, my missus turned around to me, she went, do you know, are you going to watch this or are we, are you just going <laughs> to, why don't you just go online, pick all your artists that you hate and just chat about them. You know, why do we have to sit here listening, you know, we're eating dinner, having a nice time. It's a coronation concert. I went, yeah, see, that's the problem mm. is that, my ears trained for that. Like mm. yours, everybody's, you sit in a critical environment most of your life. And so when something comes up and you think, oh God, that's a bit, yeah. you, you can't help it. Like, so I, I, back in the day, I rarely used to go and see anybody live. And not because I didn't want to, but because um, I never had time. We were gigging, whatever. Yeah. But when I did, part of you instantly compares. Mm. Part of you instantly critiques. But just, it, they might be brilliant and they are brilliant, most of them, but you, you kind of go, oh, well, I, you know, was, or on the other end of that, you'll be thinking, oh, I'm not as good as them. Oh, I don't mix my pianos like that. Why, totally. should, why am I doing that? Boy, why? Boy, yeah. a real thing, isn't it? Yeah, it's horrible. It's a real thing. Yeah. Horrible. I think we all suffer from it. Yeah. I think there's not one musician in the world, even Lionel, God bless him, even all the people that we talk about that are, have, you know, up there. That have made it in That have made it quotes, in the yeah. thing. They, they must. Somebody said to me once, if you don't get nervous or a little bit anxious before you go on, just a moment before you go on, you shouldn't really be doing it. Mm. My dad said that. He said once, are you, are you nervous about a gig? And I said, yeah, I am. He goes, good means you care. Absolutely. I was like, oh, wow, that's a really it's good a way very, of thinking about yeah, it. Yeah, and it's a positive way of looking at it because you can let that shit mm. stop you from doing everything. I mean, mm. I, there's loads of things I've turned down because of, because of imposter syndrome or because, because I've been worried about you know, uh, uh, sleeping or something like that, you know, wow. get into the gig. Yeah. You know, I'm like, I can't, I can't, you know, I'm worried about if I don't sleep, I'm not going to sound good. If I don't sound good, they're going to think I'm crap. And yeah. you know, if I get in, and it just, it's like a perpetual. Mm. So you can let that stuff eat you up and it's, and it's easy to do. And, and this is what you said earlier, going back to your point about this is, this is a musician's chance to see, to, to tell everybody about the world that exists underneath the people that have, like you say, made it. Mm. There is a the whole world of people that have worked all their lives, and then and they've constantly, constantly battling, you know, against the business because the business is always evolving. I yeah. don't particularly like the business no, these days, no. in my opinion. I think it's moving because of the advent of um, the internet and social media and all the stuff that's uh, it, that's available to people. It's a great thing, but it's also it means everybody's a producer, everybody's mm. a singer, everybody can do it. Everyone with a microphone and an interface is a record producer, right? So. And but there's 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 a world of difference. So so you've got the perception of the musician or the person who wants to be a musician who's now got all this stuff available to them. Then you've got say the the payoff, the public at the at the, at the other end mm-hmm. who just see it for what it is. Yeah, whether you're good or you're bad, they just go, "Well, he's good or she's crap." Yeah, whatever. And you've got this bit in the middle. So. All they care at this end, the public, they just, uh, have you been on X Factor? Have yeah. you been on the telly? Have you done anything famous? Have you played with anybody? Yeah. That's all they care about. Name drop. Give me give me some name names drop. that yeah, you've yeah. worked with. Oh, yeah. you're a musician. Yeah, right. A... Okay. So who have you worked with? Yeah. That's, you know, it's one of the first questions. Yeah. You know, oh, you're a musician. Oh, what do you do for a real job? Yes. Yeah. That's another one. You must have heard. Yeah. It. We all, you know. So, and that's the middle bit. That's the ground that you're kind of edu- not educating people. That sounds really elitist, but it's it, you're kind of telling people. Well, actually, you don't go from this bloke who plays in his bedroom and practices to Ed Sheeran yeah. immediately. There's a bit in the middle. There's there's this whole you have to pay your dues a little there's bit. There's a massive ladder in the middle. Huge that you're ladder. Trying. And the thing is, I don't think a lot of these people that have come out now. The younger artists and the younger producers, I'm going to sound so old saying this, but I don't think a lot of them have necessarily done that. 
And we, we, I had an interview recently that was uh, uh, for Brother Strut, really. He was just doing some more videos and we was going through, chatting through what we do and, and our opinions on stuff. And of course, a lot of it was edited and cut out mm-hmm. because, <laughs> because you're asking a musician what they think of the business yeah. and all that. So yeah. there's lots of swears, lots of... Lots of stuff you don't really want to... You know. Let's keep a positive tone, shall we, Sam? No, no, sod that. Let's have 30 yeah. minutes of crap. And then the 10 minutes at the end, I'll just say how great everything is. But, you know, but it's... it's. I was saying the same thing, that because you, they don't really... A lot of the younger people, for me... I say younger people. Anybody that's starting off now mm-hmm. have got a lot more available to them yeah. than you did 20 years ago. Yeah. And, you know... The internet, for God's yeah. sake, you know what I mean? You can write and record and upload a song in the same day. Yeah. And it's out there and people Done. can people can hear it. But because of that, there's no filter. There's nobody critiquing no. you. There's nobody saying to you, that's a bit crap, mate. You might want to work on that. Yeah. There's no, there's no producer there saying to you, well, yeah, that's great, but you want to develop this. Yeah. You're just going from straight from that to that, and now the public are listening to it. Yeah. And what's worse is they don't care. <laughs> yeah. they're just like it sounds great to me so it sounds great I can sing along to it that's, that's that, catchy that's fine it's brilliant yeah. it's great yeah. it's hook you know I've just been playing it while I've been in the show what, there's, a, there's a you know the guy who's just spent 15 grand getting all the musicians in and all the studio time yeah. and had to get his album done and then there's this bloke who's just sat on his computer for 10 minutes and so yeah. put some sounds together and splice some bits together, put it out, and he's done it exactly the same time, spliced it, put it all in the same yeah. category on the same Spotify and, and iTunes and stuff, and, and it's up there and people are listening to it. Yeah. So you can't you can't blame them people for that. I mean it's just this is the game we're in. Yeah. You know, we choose to do all the groundwork, we choose to do all the stuff that has got to be authentic and like we just said just now about, you know, do do you turn up to a gig with a you know, a, a six grand Fender Rhodes? <laughs> Or do you just turn up with like a keyboard that sounds like a Fender sounds, Rose yeah. because the people at the front really don't care? Yeah, they do not care. It's a horrible thing to admit to yourself. Mm. You know, I play in function bands. You must do as well. And and it's bread and butter. You have to you, you play a lot of weddings. You play a lot of birthdays and parties and stuff. And all they care about is are you playing the right songs? Yeah. And do they sound all right? Do they yeah. sound good? And we we play gigs where we think we've put a lot of time and effort into that kind of cover and we've got, this is going to start, oh, it's, oh, you know. And then another band will play the same venue a week later or maybe just put about 10 minutes into it. But it's got the same crowd dancing yeah. around, joking around dancing. Patreon.com forward slash Dan Parkinson Music for advert-free, higher quality and early access to the Stage Fright podcast. We played a gig once with Brother Strut and it was a solid whole festival. And it's the first time that they'd done... A festival, this particular place in Solihull. Yeah. And it's the first time they've done it. And they, uh, we were playing at about three o'clock in the afternoon. And before us, there was a guy who, I can't remember his name now, the bloke from uh, Liberty X. There was a band, remember okay. the band Liberty X? I remember like Liberty a boy, X, yeah. boy-girl group thing. One of the singers from that had a really lovely voice, actually. He was on before us. He had his daughter backstage sitting there waiting for him. He was playing with backing tracks and he was just singing. Mm-hmm. Right? This guy was in Liberty X and he was playing the Solihull Festival to a bunch of his heads, didn't really care. And fair enough, he was singing his thing and he was just performing because he's a singer. So it's like, if you're a singer or you're a musician, it's in you. Yeah. So it's, if you as don't... As soon as you're on the stage... You've got to do it, yeah. You, yeah, even, yeah. If you're in your, even if you're in your house and you want to, you're either singing or you're playing something, you're thinking about music. Yeah. It's like a boxer. You know, you can't stop a boxer being a fighter. It's either in you or yeah. it's not. Yeah, So he was on the stage and he was singing he was, he, and he was earning his money, whatever. Then we were on a five-piece band, six-piece band at the time. We performed all our original stuff. But bearing in mind, the people there probably didn't know who we were. So we put a couple of covers in there to mm-hmm. make them, you know, to make it satisfying. Yeah. They knew the covers. They was all jumping around singing. Yeah. It started to pee down the rain. So it was like, well, I was working hard trying to get the crowd going yeah. and all that, as you do. Then after us, there was an Elvis tribute. Like immediately after us, the guy was just a fat bloke in an Elvis suit. <laughs> I, honestly. And... And I said, that right there is the business. That right there yeah. is the public and their perception of anything. I said, there's a guy from Liberty X who's just been singing with backing tracks on the stage on his own yeah. to people who probably weren't even listening because they, some of them didn't know who he was and, and some of them didn't care who he was. They just yeah. wanted to hear the right songs. Yeah. He was singing like John Legend and Marvin Gaye and all that. And he sounded really good. He's got a lovely voice. But it didn't matter. Then we came on and we're like, well, we're... Funk and soul band. We're a proper band. We're originals. You know, this is our stuff. They'll love this. Bang, bang, bang. Yeah, they clapped and they danced and they loved it. And a few people might have collected a few albums and as they do at a festival. And then immediately after us, an Elvis tribute. It was just a fat bloke with an Elvis thing singing (laughs) 
suspicious minds. And he was, honestly, he was crap. Honestly, <laughs> he, he sounded like a fat bloke in an Elvis suit. Yeah. We can go on together. <laughs> you know this one. That kind he's of probably thing. on twice the amount of money you guys are on. Absolutely. <laughs> and he's getting the same response, yeah. same crowd. Yeah. And, and he's, you know, and he's, he's living a dream. So I'm like, well, you can either be really elitist about it and go, come on now, shouldn't be on the same stage as us. Yeah. Or you can just go, actually, we're here to do a job. This yeah. is, we're performing and the people just want to hear what they want to hear. Yeah. You know, and every band goes through that, I think. Every, every band. But it's a weird feeling to think that we spend all this time and effort learning your instrument, practicing, worrying about what you sound like, getting it all to the point where you're, you're confident to perform it. And then you think, well, it, it, and it can, that can breed anxiety and nervousness mm-hmm. and imposter syndrome and all this stuff. But think about who you're playing to. Think, I mean, you're not, you, how many times do you play to a bunch of musicians or, or mm. record company executives that care about what, you know, the intricacies of what you're playing and the musical instrument that you're playing? How many, how many times, you know, how, you probably count on one hand yeah, how many probably, times yeah. you actually play to people who care about exactly what you're playing? And how much you've spent practicing. And yet you get so nervous and anxious about these people that are listening to the fat Elvis bloke. Yeah. <laughs> singing Suspicious Minds. They're the same people. That, that yeah. same woman there that's just been dancing around to me. And I'm thinking I've put all that effort in because, you know, this, she's responding really well. This is great. I'm getting a payoff from it. She's the same person dancing to him. She's three pims down. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's why she's dancing. Yeah. Yeah, let's be honest. Yeah. You know, so uh, nervousness and anxiety is very real. And everybody, every musician suffers from imposter syndrome. I'm, I'm certain of it. And yet it's a strange thing to, to, to try and grasp because... You shouldn't really, by rights, have to no. have it. Because on stage, you look like you're having the best time in the world. There's a guy, I can't remember his name now. I think his name is Manson. His last name is Manson. Not the Manson we all know and love. Yeah. Uh, the good Manson. He's um, wrote a book called The Subtle Art of Not Giving Up. Right. F-U-C-K. Yeah. And he basically spoke about in a nutshell, he's talking about how, how you, you live a happier life if you don't care as much. Mm. And that's a fine line between not caring about what you're playing and caring about how good you are and caring about whether you are 100% top of your game every time you play. Mm. You don't need to be. No. You know? And I think if everybody can just sit back a bit and think to themselves, well, actually, people are having a good time. It doesn't matter that I can't reach that note perfectly every time. It matters if you're, you know, playing to a, a load of executives, yeah, Ronnie Scotts or or, or, or an A and R department or something. Well, they don't even exist anymore. What am I talking yeah. about? <laughs> yeah. But but you know, it, it matters when you've got people who or musicians. The worst, some of the some of the most nerve wracking gigs you do is to other musicians. How many times have you played a gig and a keyboard player that you know and love has come and stood side of the stage and watched? I like the gigs where you play the gig, you've had a good gig, you don't think about anything, and then at the end of it, somebody will come up to you and go. Yeah, well done, mate. I'm a piano player. I've played with yeah. such and such and such and such. Like, I'm glad you told me that now, yeah. and not at the beginning. Yeah, because then I'd Before have been really on, conscious yeah. of it, and I'd have probably, f- I'd have probably thought about too much about what I was playing. Yeah, and no, and, and it's an exercise. Nobody needs to do that. Yeah, I, I suppose what I'm saying is, the less you know, the better it is. The more ignorant you are to to what people think or care about, the better you, it is. If you just yeah. turn up to a gig and think, oh, cool, I have a good time. Yeah. You know, I'll have a drink with my mates, we'll go and play some songs and then we'll go home. Like, if you it's... can get that in your mind, yeah. even if it's a really important gig, it sounds yeah. strange, but if it's the most important gig you've got and you can still adopt that attitude of, well, I'm just going to have fun with this. I know mm. I've practised. I know I've put the time in. I know that I've worried about this for yeah. weeks on end. Yeah. So now I've got to enjoy it. Otherwise, what was the point? Yeah. You know, <laughs> yeah. What was the point? I'm going to worry on stage as well. And then I'm going to worry afterwards whether anybody's filmed that or worried. Because that's another thing, isn't it? Nothing's private anymore. No. Everything's on socials. I think that I think that really exacerbates the condition mm. of, yeah, of anxiety 100%. and Yeah, 100%. Because when, when Brother Strut started, was there social... There was, was there so, Instagram. So we've been going as this particular band for ten years. We've yeah. got a ten year tour coming up, wow. and, it, and it's that's in October. Little plug, no, <laughs> yeah, but, uh, good. but ten years ago we uh, it was an instrumental band started by a guy called Steve Jones, who's a saxophone player, and it was well actually previously probably about twelve years ago he started it as a, a band of all, and it featured all the guys that um, uh, 
played with everybody, you know, Amy Winehouse and George Michael wow. and Tina Turner, all these guys. And they all come together and form this sort of band. And it was largely instrumentals that Steve had written and, and, and put together. It was just vibes, you know, it's just get all these guys in a mm. room and just play these songs. Simple songs, grooves, yeah. funk, soul, just, you know. And then it evolved. He wanted to get singers involved and he, and he, and he called me because I knew him from, from of old. And he said to me, look, do you fancy being a guest singer on this album I'm bringing out? And I went, uh, let me think about that, yes. <laughs> yeah. uh, so, so, I, so, so even though with the imposter syndrome and the anxiety, still say yes. Still say yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Deal with it later. Deal with it, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. There's another philosophy right there. But it, 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 some, some gigs you can do that with, other gigs you go, ah, mm, oh, I've got to think about this for a bit. Yeah. Um, but to answer your question about, so there wasn't, there was internet and stuff. I think there wasn't as much, not as much on uh, Facebook video mm-hmm. or certainly Instagram reels and all that didn't yeah. exist then. Facebook, you could do a video, but it was a link to a video. Yes. And people yeah. had to cl- physically click it to, yeah. to see it. <clears throat> Whereas now, it, if you notice it... It just plays straight just away. Play yeah. because TikTok of, as well. And yeah, yeah it's because it's attention span. Yeah. Nobody, yeah. Wants, nobody wants to actually sit down and think about what they... Oh, I'm going to click this and see if I like it. No, it's got to play now. Yeah. You've got to get into people's heads before they've even worked out first, who you are. First five seconds, I think they say, they've got to know what your video is about in the first five seconds. Totally. Otherwise, they'll go, okay, I don't, I don't need no, to I'm, know don't, I'm bored of it. You know what I mean? And when you're on stage and you're playing and you think, okay, this is going well. And then I have this thought sometimes that comes into my head where I go someone could be filming me right now. Yeah. So if I mess up, this is going to be on the, on the internet forever. That's the problem. That's the problem. See, if you didn't know that, if you didn't think that there was somebody standing there with a the phone, you'd play yeah. the gig your life. You know, it yeah. wouldn't matter. And you always play better when you're relaxed, as we yeah. all know. Yeah. It's just that nothing's private and you can't fluff anything anymore. You no. know, there used to be a time when you used to go to a live gig and even the, the biggest artists in the world used to maybe sing a wrong note or mm. somebody would, you wouldn't notice it. No. And it was live. It was done. Yeah. And, and it wouldn't matter. But now somebody's filmed it and posted it up online. It's forever in your CV. And then if you go to get a gig with, let's say, Boy George, uh-huh. Boy George sees that video and goes, oh, no, you fluffed a note there. We'll get Dan instead. Uh, and totally. you, that's what you think about yourself. Totally. You? You, you sort of think, well, if I fluff this note, the next person won't fluff it. So they'll get the gig. They're learning over. off of me. Yeah, they'll and learn off of me. And then somebody will learn yeah. off of them. And, yeah. it, and, and you know the other, if you, on the gig... And we can talk to a different subject about what you what you should act like when you're on a gig, but you can easily lose that gig as well from, mm. from the same time. I mean, Van Morrison's one of the worst people yeah. I've heard to work for yeah. in the world. You know what I mean? Even crew. I've I've known crew that have worked for him and they just he just gets rid of them if he I know people who, who probably played with him for about twenty years and then suddenly they put an act and they make a mistake wrong and he's looking at you like you just shit at his cornflakes. Oh, wow. Yeah, I mean I've heard this, you know. I don't know how far your spread is, but I'm um, sorry, Van. <laughs> yeah, I, don't, I don't know if he's listening. You're a bit of a knob, mate. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> sorry, yeah. <laughs> it's all right. You weren't going to hire me anyway, so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> what can I lose? But no, that's, I hope, uh, in a roundabout way, because I go around the houses quite a lot. You probably noticed. But it, imposter syndrome is very real. But if you think about the reasons why you have it, you, you wonder why you've got it. Mm. Yeah. You sort of go, well, I've got, you know, I don't think you get this burning sense. I don't, I don't know whether I'm good enough. And you, for who? Yeah. For who? who are you talking about? The, the people that are in that, like a 2,000 strong audience that have just, you know, watched a fat Elvis. Yeah. You know, and didn't care that he sounded bad. Yeah. You know, if they don't care about him. Yeah. Know. that. Yeah. Fucking hell. It's mad, isn't it? That's if you think about it that way, you go, oh, "Yeah, actually, it shouldn't exist." Yeah. Why does anxiety? Everybody's getting. I know a, a, it's a very, it's a lovely friend of mine. Um, for confidence reasons, I can't, I won't mention his name yeah, because, fine. but he's, but he's, he played in the uh, Rod Stewart band for years and years, and I heard that his anxiety got so bad. He got medication as well for it as well. Mm-hmm. Um, that they would be on the, embarking on a, a tour, world tour or something, and just as they're getting on the plane, he'd be like, oh, I can't go. I can't do it. And he's in the band. Mm-hmm. You know, he's played with them many times, but it, it, and, and probably for years previous to that. Yeah. It's just all of a sudden this anxiety's been building up and building up, and now it's like it's, it's, just, it's just almost like a form of a breakdown. Yeah. Where he's like, well, I, I, I physically can't get on the plane, and, and you know, and so they're like, well, we, well, we can't do the gig without you. What are you talking about? You know, oh my God. it's when it gets to that point, you're like, oh, 
Yeah, that's, that's when it starts getting very serious. You know, that. these days, somebody will go, that's all right, we've got somebody else around the corner yeah. who's waiting to play. <laughs> yeah. you know, it's unbelievable. Let's just look on Instagram. Yeah, he'll yeah. do it. Cool. Oh, you can't do no problem. That's all right. Yeah, there's Teddy Penny, mate. Don't worry about yeah. it. But yeah, so it's, 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 a, it's, a, it's an odd thing. And that, that's at that level. That's at the, mm, yeah. the level where, he's, you know, people love him. It's, not, it's nice to know sometimes when you hear those stories at that level that um, there's a friend of mine and he plays for a big, I won't, I won't say the name of the band, um, Jamira Choir. No, sorry. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just insert any name yeah, into no, this. Just anything, yeah. Uh, and he, in fact, I'll tell you, and then I can just bleep it out. He plays for for. Yeah. He turned up. He's a guitar. He's an amazing guitar player. He turned up to the rehearsals, and the guitar player from the band was asking him, "Okay, how does how does this one go?" And my mate was like, well, "It's your song. You wrote it." And he was like, "It's nice to know, even wow. at that level." There's still that sort of oh yeah wow so so the guy didn't know what he didn't even know what he'd written and wow you got to think though these people haven't heard their album for years and yeah. session guys listen to their album to like you know get all the nuances and stuff so they probably know their album better than totally the no, and, and, and this is that this is this is that section we're talking about where there's a level there's the, the people at the bottom that have in their rooms listening and playing and practicing that mm. stuff all the time and and if you play covers as as part of your living to go and do functions and stuff like that. You're constantly listening to other people's records and trying to emulate them and play them and trying to, and you learn your stuff from other people's licks. Yeah. From other yeah. Stuff. So you're, con- and a critical, you're, you're constantly listening, you're constantly intently listening. Like you're a guitarist as well and a, and a player. So you know different styles of music. You've probably tried different styles of music. You play rock, you played a bit of pop, you played a bit of funk and soul, and you've tried playing that stuff. And, 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 because you've got an interest in it, you're a session guy. So you want to, know how it feels yeah. under your fingers you know yeah. want to know how it, in case somebody asks you to do it yeah right so you want to be competent but like we said that these guys that you know at some point they've had a break very early on in their career and they've never they've had to never think had to about it. it and it's and it's interesting yeah that's really good that's really interesting i had a guy i was recording and he's a finger pick guitar like acoustic guitar player mm. and i was producing an album for him and i wanted a rocky kind of chuggy guitar underneath it like electric guitar and he was like yeah yeah cool i could do that and he he couldn't do it because he didn't understand what palm muting was really he couldn't really get the rhythm yeah. right and i was like oh it's because he's never played in rock bands he's just always done finger but guitars. you assume that because yeah. he's a great guitarist you think well he must have played yeah, this. he yeah. must have done that and it's only pop punk or it's only like a punk it's only a right. rock thing so yeah well, you think it's easy that. he yeah. finds very and it's it's interesting All right, I'm just going to take a quick break from the show to tell you about my Patreon, where for the price of half a coffee a month, you will get early ad-free versions of the podcast in a higher quality, as well as a load of behind-the-scenes photos and audio that I've been told to say are NSFW, which I don't know what it means, but people have it on their OnlyFans account. Apparently, I, I, I don't know, I've been, I've been told that. Uh, Patreon.com forward slash Dan Parkinson Music. You can also get the app on your phone so you can listen to my voice wherever you may be. My Patreon has a pay-what-you-can scheme where all tiers are the same. The aim of this is to have more Patreons paying the smaller fee a month and not pricing people out, which in turn will pay for the show and help it run and run until the end of time. <laughs> anyway, let's get back to the show. Look, I find it a lot with people who are either, and this is a, a massive sweeping generalisation, People are classically trained, and I never read music. I, no. I'm, I'm not ignorant to it. I've just never did. No, never read it. You either. know, and so I learned Minecraft, and what you were the same, and by listening and yeah. trying to copy. Yeah. And so, and like I said before, you, the licks you pick up and stuff are from bands that you love, or you know, oh, I love that or the, like, the vocal thing that he does there, and you sort of add it to your little do you, repertoire. Do you have perfect pitch? Uh, some people tell me I do. Some people tell me I do, yeah. Because it's perfect and there's relative pitch. There's it? relative pitch, yeah, absolute yeah. pitch. And uh, yeah, I'm, well, I, I'm able to... I think as musicians, it's a weird one, isn't it? If you're a tennis player, you should be able to pick up any racket, yeah. any ball and play tennis. Yeah. And, and yet it's kind of strange that a lot, the vast majority of musicians probably are not... They don't... If you said to them, sing a C... Yeah, they wouldn't they, be able to just hit it. No, there's oral recall, it's called, isn't it? Yeah, I've got yeah. that. You know, so I can you name a song, I can sing it in the right key for you. Cool, great. Stuff like that. So, and that's helped me over the years, you yeah. know what I mean? Um, I think people use it as a way of like, like a self-accolade, like, you know, like, oh yeah, I've got perfect pitch. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, there's lots of people who've got perfect pitch but can't sing a note. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. musicians. And it's just because it's yeah. an ear thing and then there's a, there's a, yeah. how you physically emulate that, isn't it? But I, I think reading music is 
it's great. And if you can do it, it's great. I've never been able to do it. I've never needed to do it. Um, I can, and again, this is going to sound like big headed, but I can listen to a song and then go, cool. And then, and then play work it, it out. And work it out. It's, it's easy. That's because that, that's your easy relative pitch and perfect pitch is the same. So yeah. You can, you can sit and listen to it and go, well, I know where he's going with that. Yeah. Yeah. That's a one and a four and a five and a yes, six. And exactly you know, you can, that. Because you've probably used that language many times at a gig where somebody's jammed something and you've gone, I know where this is going. And yeah. you can just look on the fly. Yeah. There's lots of people who still wouldn't know how to do that. And what, like, what I was saying is, is that a lot of people who read music and have learned, uh, I don't know, grade whatever piano mm. from the age of two upwards, somewhere somewhere when there was a little baby, they were forced into it, yeah. slapped on the arse and said, right, mm-hmm. you need to learn piano. You don't know why you need to learn it, but you're going to learn it. Yeah. And they and then they get to, I've got a mate of mine that was like that. We were best mates for ages at school. We learned pianos from the age of about two. And when he got to about 25, he became a courier. Didn't want to oh, know really? piano. She didn't want to know it because he was playing it because he thought he had to because that was just something that his parents yeah. wanted him to do, and he'd done it and he learned. And if you even now, you know, he looks he looks like a bloke. Hello, mate. He doesn't need to give you his parcel and come. But if you give him like a Chopin or something on front and you open the the, the book, you go no because it's just like under his fingers. He just knows how to read that and how to. There's the theory between the book and and the keys is no problem for him. Yeah, but. If you asked him to improvise, yes, it's like, um, yeah. Well, what do I do? What would you, I'm like, you know, every scale, <laughs> every <laughs> note possible, and how to play it. If you were reading it, but you you couldn't sing that note to me. You couldn't if I if yeah. I played that. You you wouldn't. You couldn't. Could you hear what I'm playing there? You know, it, I, I still work with bands who are like, we're gonna do. Uh, I've done a, a, a big gig with a massive gig um, with lots of named guests on it. I was part of the house band and it was about 46 tunes or something in one day. Wow. We had to play in one gig. Yeah. Because it was a great big four-hour concert. And we had to do about 40-odd, maybe, I don't know, something like 40-odd tunes. And uh, so we had to learn them. And it was all very different tunes. So the Level 42 were on it. You had yeah. uh, Mick Hucknall was on it. You had like... Paul Carrot, Paul Young, you had the faces, you had like wow. all these great big bands and coming on. And I was the keys player along with another guy and he had a brass and drums. And everybody was talking, most people in there could use their ears. But but there were certain people who needed to know what bar and whereabouts yeah. the position in the song and, and what, you know, if I said it sounds, if I, all I could do was go that and play the chord. Yeah. Yeah. And there'll be other people, well, what are you playing there? Is that a C-sharp diminished flat five augmented? F-? I'm like, I have no idea. <laughs> and there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing no, wrong there's with nothing not wrong knowing. With of course not. No. There's, there's something wrong with not knowing and not asking for help. Totally. But there's nothing wrong with not knowing and just going, sorry, what are you playing there? What's that? Oh, it's an Absolutely. E7. Okay, cool. Great. Well put. And I think, I think there's, I think, I, I'm not ignorant to it. I know a lot more chords now than I did when I was 13, mm. when I first started playing piano. Yeah. And, and I can tell you what chords I've, you know, but, it, but when it starts getting into the silly numbers and hieroglyphics, I'm like, I don't know what you're yeah. talking about. You know, <laughs> yeah. oh, you're playing a flat off the five beaten and, and augmented, diminished, you know, and demented chord. I'm like, I don't know, you know, just what does it sound like? And I'll yeah. play it back to you. Yeah. You know, because yeah. it's a listening art for me. Music's, yeah. you know, fundamentally, it, it, the heart of it is listening. You know, it's a, it's a hearing art. Yeah. So theory for me, if you can car- if you can compartmentalize what you're playing in your brain to be able to know what you're playing, then you're an all-rounded kind of, you know, I know exa- so I can play that chord because I've heard it yeah. and I know what that chord is called theoretically. Yeah. That's great. It makes you an all-rounded kind of yeah. thing, but it doesn't make you any less of a musician if you can't name the chord. No. You can still play it. Yeah. And you can still yeah. jam with everybody and you can still you yeah, know, it's so I mean, um, Keith Jarrett, his yeah. whole show is improvised, isn't it? He, totally. And apparently, every note he played was improvised. You know, when you say, like, if someone said improvise a guitar solo, I'll do the five or six licks that yeah. I've learned my whole life and just do them it's over like again. Eminem, isn't it? Oh, yeah. Eminem, like Eminem, when they say like it's a rap battle and he just made it all up on a spot. I'm like, no, he didn't. Yeah, no, no, yeah. He did. I'm telling you, they've now, had those bars. In when their he was head. growing up, he was writing all that down on a mm. piano. He just remembered it. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, listen, I'm not taking it away from him. Yeah, fantastic yeah, he's a, rapper. Yeah, he's a, he's a better rapper than we are, yeah, probably. Um, yeah, 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 mildly. But, <laughs> but yeah, Keith Jarrett is one of the musicians that everything he plays is apparently is improvised. So no, no so two no, shows are the yeah, same. No two shows are the well, same. Fa- it must be so freeing. Yeah. 
But it, it just means you go in, and it wouldn't matter if it wasn't because yeah. it's a new one. I wonder audience. if he gets imposter syndrome because of that. You know? I'll get him on the pod. Um, <laughs> do you imagine? Get him on the pod. But do you imagine? Just the, the thing is, if you go to one of these shows and, 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 and you've got. The only time that matters is if you've got the same audience member every night. Yeah. Yeah. You know, but, but you're not going to have that no. unless, unless you get a really avid fan and they wouldn't care anyway. Yeah, so, if they're an avid fan, they'd want to see you. Oh, we played that B-flat last night. Oh, I, I, <laughs> oh, my goodness. I'll tell you, I, 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 it's, a, it's the third time I've heard that this week. You, you, can't, you know, nobody cares. Yeah, no one cares. But uh, And I don't mean to sort of dismiss it like music's, you know, a bit airy-fairy and nobody gives a toss. But But really and truly, the people that you're having these syndromes and anxiety over... Essentially, you're playing to the public, hmm. and if you can, if you can put all your stuff online now without any filter, without any critique, and without anybody telling you where you're going wrong, that should be a great thing. Yeah, I mean, sometimes you know, it's only really me. Musicians don't buy music. No. Let's be honest. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, so so you're not selling it to them. Nah. You know, there's there's a being respected by your peers, and there's being successful and nobody cares and just selling loads of records yeah what, what would you rather <laughs> yeah. you know i think somebody people most people most most musicians want to try and have both yeah they yeah. want to know that they're being respected by other musicians that think they're brilliant they want to be nick cave essentially they want to, do what they want do what they want play to massive crowds sell loads of records but just make how many times music. have you seen somebody online and gone i don't believe how this guy or this girl's got out there even i don't believe how and and yet yeah somebody yeah. else is buying their albums they're laughing all the way to the bank or they're living the dream yeah. and you're going well they're doing it and i'm they're, not they're doing something right you they're know definitely what I mean? doing something right so and that 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 should be the perception and it is perception isn't it hmm. it's all yeah. perception patreon.com forward slash dan parkinson music Lately, you've been playing with Thunder, haven't you? Thunder, uh, oh, we went on, uh, the last tour I'd done with them was um, before Christmas. Was it? Yeah, it was an arena tour. So we'd done Wembley, Birmingham, we'd done Leeds. Uh, fantastic. I mean, So what's what's the difference, imposter syndrome-wise, between going out at the shit and whistle in yeah. oh, it's know, a great Bracknell? Pub. <laughs> it's, it's, great a nice pub. Pub. it's a nice pub, actually. Yeah. And then going out at Wembley. In terms of what? In terms of in terms of how, how you feel? Yeah, how you feel when you're walking out. So it it comes from it's a difficult one because I've just like I've just said to you, you can if you can adopt the attitude or adopt the mindset that um, you've worked out all your parts, you've done all the practicing you need to do, and now you just got to have fun. If you can mm. adopt that on every gig, whether it is the shit and whistle, yeah. Or whether it is Wembley Stadium. I think as soon as the words Wembley Stadium, or sorry, Wembley Arena, I should yeah. say, come into your head, or stadium, of course, if you're somebody bigger, <laughs> um, you start thinking for some reason you've got to be even more on yeah. your game. Yeah. I'm like, but, but all it is is more people that don't give a shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, it's just, so you've got 20 people at the shit and whistle, and all you've done is like, doubled it and doubled it and doubled yeah. it and put them into a bigger arena you've not it's not like oh all of a sudden i've got to play better because you know however i played in that pub was just a pub yeah you know? now i've got it's to play the, 20 times better yeah, it's not the venue that makes you play yeah. better it's it's you it's the public yeah so if you can adopt the mindset that if you can walk into wembley arena and and, and, and you can have the same attitude and fun uh, as if you were playing the pub yeah um i think it, you get a better response from the audience. And I think, um, and, I, and I also think that it, it amount of times you've had people say, what a great gig you've had, um, because you haven't cared. Yeah. You know, or yeah, you're a bit, you know, I could tell you were a bit nervous. You go, How could you tell that? And it's because for, it, the public might be stupid in certain sense when it's, when they're listening to music, but they're not in others, but they know when you're not having they a good time. They can see. Yeah. You, everybody can. You walk on stage and you know when somebody's sweating their ass off mm. because they're like, they don't, you know, they're really by the seat of their pants now. Yeah. You know, or so for me, it was with Thunder, it was, we're doing an arena tour. I was like, fantastic. Oh, I've never played Wembley Arena. Let's do it. Mm -hmm. Let's go. Um, but the practice, we, we practice in the same place in John Henry's great rehearsal. Yeah, John in North London. Great, yeah. yeah, it's great. And they've got their own room there. That's, they've got their own, you know, it's, it's like. Oh, the, have they? Well, it's like their own. Because it's. This band of um, Thunder have been since like the sort of late 80s. 
<clears throat> they were they were they were quite big in sort of late 80s into the 90s and that it was kind of hair rock yeah a lot of it and, and but they were a bit more a little bit more sophisticated than the than shall we say the Def Leppard and, and yeah White yeah. Snake and stuff like that they, they their songs were great and but I and Luke the guy who writes the songs he's he's fantastic he's he's a lovely guy and he's he's a very talented writer and he does all the writing for the band Danny's fantastic as a singer. You know, he, he sings the same keys now as he did when he was like Oh, wow. 20. Oh, fantastic. That's great. Yeah, Harry, a good friend of mine on drums, brilliant guy, brilliant drummer. Everybody in that band. So you're in a good group. Yeah, Chris on bass, people, yeah. lovely guy, great bass player. Benny on guitar, second guitar, wonderful guy, you know, great sense of humour. And he's actually a, a, a big inspiration in that band because he's been through some trials and tribulations health-wise. Mm-hmm. Um and he's got such a positive mental outlook. And the day I went into rehearsal, the first day I went into rehearsal with Thunder, this is before the arena tour. This was like, I'm talking two, three years ago when I first done a tour with them. Yeah. We'd done like an acoustic um, theatre tour. So it was like two and a half thousand seat of theatres all around the UK. Coach tour, the whole thing, sleeper bus. And we went into rehearsals. And the first time I'd met, I'd, I knew Danny from uh, from the past, I knew Harry, the drummer, because I worked in another band with Harry. Mm-hmm. So I was already kind of, I already knew those guys. But I didn't know Benny or Luke or Chris. I knew Chris, I suppose, yeah, for a little bit. But anyway, I went into the room and Benny immediately was cracking jokes and he was very self-effacing, self-deprecating. He, he walked As soon as he played something on a guitar, he'd look at me and go, I don't know what I'm playing. <laughs> he'd literally say that. He'd say, I don't know, but he was brilliant. You know, yeah. he's a great guitarist. And, he's, and, he's, and he'd, but he'd look at me and go, I don't know, am I playing that right? I don't know. And that makes you feel at and ease. Instantly yeah. re- great. Uh, he was do- I could tell he was doing it because he wanted to make me at ease. But at the same time, you could tell he was that kind of character. Yeah. You could tell he was the kind of bloke who was like, listen, this is all a game. Oh, lovely. You know, we're in Thunder and you know, we're supposed to be having a good time. Yeah. So most of the time in Thunder, it was like 30, 40% of it was about the music. The, yeah. the, the 50, 60, 70% of it was about having fun, going out on the town, having a few beers after a yeah. gig and and getting on with each other and yeah. going, to, if you're playing in Bath or something, going around and looking at the town and just... Yeah. It was about that. And so you just, and, and they're a really lovely bunch of guys to work with. And awesome. See, because I come from a soul, reggae, funk, blues kind of background, yeah. rock and roll kind of thing. And and they're a quite a hard rock band. Um, and so it's a lot of organ and a lot yeah. of and a lot of heavy piano. And they started to introduce a bit more piano and organ into their cool. latest albums. Because they've written like an album every year for like the last... Yeah, 30 they're, years. They're quite on it, aren't they? Fantastic. And, and and their work ethic and 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 their attitude towards um the business and work is is brilliant and you can get a lot of inspiration from them. Um so sorry in answer to your question to how did it feel? <laughs> <laughs> so you asked me that about about 40 minutes ago, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. It's a great chunk there you can edit yeah, out. Yeah, edit that. Edit, edit that bit out. <laughs> no, it's all interesting, mate. It's but all it's, interesting. It's, anyway, take what you want. But it's um it, it was it for me going into rehearsals and again you're you're well practiced. Mm-hmm. They was at a, the first tour I'd done the arena tour. Let's say um, they wanted to have some. I'm a luxury when it comes to that band. So uh, same as the backing vocals are. Yes, they don't yeah. they don't always have us. Yeah, they're a they're a five piece band. You know, yeah. so and that's and that's who they are as a core band. So it's only occasionally they get. And a if the tour can afford in. it, cool. Yeah, we can get exactly. the other guys in. Yeah, and yes. and. Like I say, Luke writes all the songs, and and if he includes more piano in some of the latest albums and more BVs, then he sometimes wants to perform that. Yeah. And so he'll say, "Well, we're doing the toys a bigger budget. Let's you know, let's get Sam and the girls on, yeah. and, we, and we'll do that." And so I've been fortunate enough to be asked a couple of times. And this arena tour was one of those um, situations. And so we went in and, re- and, and rehearsed all the stuff. Um, and you know, like I said to you, when you when you know that the rehearsal's sounding great, you sound like everybody's on on it. You, all you got to do is take that and yeah, put it on the tour. Put it on the stage. But there it. is something between the rehearsal, getting on a coach and sitting up at the gig. Or I think they call it red light syndrome. Yeah. There's a yeah. bit where you think, I know I can play that, but my brain wants, there's a chimp <laughs> on my shoulder that's going, I'm just going to move your finger in the yeah. middle of that song. I'm just going to just, you know, I'm just going to block I'm just going to make brain. you overthink what you're playing this chord progression yeah. here. You're yeah. playing four chords just on the one every time. But Done. What if you what if you accidentally miss that third yeah. one? You'd like shut up. Yeah, that's it. And it's and it's and it's it's all on you. What if you play the wrong chord because you think you're playing that song instead of that yeah, one? Yeah, yeah. The problem is, is if you allow that to enter your head, 
then it's just a downhill then spiral. Then it can get downhill, yeah. You know, it's like if you have a mental block on stage at that moment. Yeah. You cannot get out of it for like, you cannot, it doesn't matter what you do. The yeah. more you think about getting out of it, the worse it is. Yeah. Your brain has this safe distance around something. Then it says, no. Nah. Yeah. All of a sudden, <laughs> yeah. it says, no, you're not going to do that. Yeah. No. Nah. So, so for me, it's as long as you're well rehearsed and practiced in what you do. And then, then after that, if you can just subconsciously let that go, okay. I, I, and then just have fun. Yeah. I mean, it's easy to say, have fun. If you've got anxiety, you've got nervousness, or you've got imposter syndrome, it doesn't really leave you. It's just that you it gets easier if you're yeah. more rehearsed and you're more, you know, yeah. if you do it more. Yeah, 100%. You know, it's like you, you never really lose the nervousness and anxiousness, but the more years you go on and the more gigs you play... You know how it, to deal with it. You know, you deal with think, it yeah. and you focus it, you channel it better. Mm-hmm. Um, so in answer to your question about what did it feel like, the difference between doing like a gig in front of like, you know, 50, 60 people in a pub and then, you know. And then Wembley. 5,000 at Wembley Arena. It's like, it's, the atmosphere is fantastic. Yeah. There's something that happens as well when you play the first song and it goes well. Yeah. Then the opposite happens. It's like, everything's great. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Because you're in it then. Yeah. And then the gig goes by like that. Done. And it's done. And yeah. You're like, oh, shit, we're on the last song already. Done. Shit. Yeah, I know. And it's a horrible feeling. Yeah. Because if somebody said to you, do you want to play for four hours at Wembley Arena? You go, leave it out, mate. Four yeah. hours. <laughs> yeah. I'll be able to do that. But when you're there, you feel like you've played for like 10 minutes. Yeah. Like, oh, I wish it was four <laughs> yeah, hours. Yeah, I wish it was four hours. <laughs> <Yeah. huh? laughs> so, no, I, I, it is different, obviously. Bigger, more response. And, and, I, and I guess if you're really honest with yourself, people, when, they, when you started out doing music, what was, your, what, was your, what was your goal? To be, what, to play the big arenas? To, play, to, to, to be rich and famous? What was, you know, because everybody gets asked the same question. Or was it just to play music and... Cause success to impress is, girls. <laughs> well, sorry, yeah, I messed that one out, didn't I? Yeah. Well, that's sort of inevitable, isn't it, really? Yeah. I mean, if, you know, if you're Mick Jagger and you can impress a girl... Yeah, yeah, that's true. Fair enough. And then you marry one and it doesn't impress them at all. <laughs> no, oh, totally, yeah, totally, no. Are you, you playing your keyboard again today? Yeah. And then, oh, God, I thought... Yeah, just... I think it was... It was um, I think I saw a Blink-182 concert and I was like, I want to be Tom DeLonge. I want, to, I, want, I want that response. I want the people singing my songs. I think that was what, what it was. But did you have a certain amount of people that it needed to be? Or was it anybody in the shit and whistle, 50 people? Yeah, I think anyone. I, I didn't really have a number on that. I just no. thought, imagine having people singing your songs back to you. That would be amazing. Right. And so there's always going to be something in you throughout your entire music career that will always want that until you achieve it. Yeah. Then once you've achieved it, where do you go from there? Are you happy with yeah. 50 people? Am I going to quit and then go, cool, I'll be a postman now. I've done. done it. I've yeah. done it. I've achieved that. No, because I think music is, is so many layers. Yeah. You know, the, the amount of time you spend thinking about getting to that point to start with, it, it's yeah. not good enough just doing one gig, is it? No. It's not good no. enough. Everybody uses the analogy of Madison Square Gardens or yeah. something like that. I just want to play Madison Square Gardens with yeah. like a few thousand people and just say, <laughs> yeah, I've done it. Okay, but when you've done it, then what? Yeah. What? I heard a podcast once about, a, uh, a, it, was a, it was a few years ago, and it was a football player, and he'd, he'd won the FA Cup or something. And um, the interviewer said, what's it like winning the FA Cup? And he said, you know that feeling when, you, when you're playing for like an under-10s football team and you win the, the league and you're under-10s as kids? He was like, it's the exact same feeling as winning the FA Cup. Wow. And he was like, that's a, I needed to hear that. That's amazing. Fantastic. That's so he's great. never lost that. So he's, he's never, never lost, lost that it. feeling. He's, no, he's never lost that feeling. And that's very true, isn't it? And, and it's showing that it's not necessarily better. It's not like you're striving to win the FA Cup and like that'll be the, your big thing. It's like, no, it'll just be a constant, it'll be a journey as opposed to a totally. destination. You've got to enjoy the journey. You've got to enjoy it, yeah. You know, um, it's going to sound really David Brent now, but what is it that John Lennon said? You know, what is it? It's life happens when you're making other plans. Yeah. So it's that, it's that journey of people think that they need to achieve that goal to be happy. And then when they've achieved that goal, that you, you, you know, there's so many people that are famous before the age of 27, they get thrown into it. Particularly now, yeah. you can just be a singer and you can go on a telly. Somebody will press the golden buzzer. Yeah. You're through. You've got 100,000 pounds. You're singing in a raw variety performance. Yeah. And you've made it. Before you've had to carry your PA into a van yes. at two in the morning yeah. in the pissing rain. Or before some producers looked at you in the back end of Wilsdon back alley studios and smoking loads of weed. Yeah. And said and said to you, What are you doing in here? You know, you know, you can't sell it. You can't, you know. Yeah. Nice song, but we need to take it there and do this. You need to spend a few more years developing it. None of that anymore. Yeah, none of that. So what's their goal? 
And I think, and I think it's interesting to me if you've got. That's quite interesting. If well, if I was a kid now, growing up into this yeah. music business, and 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 somebody said to me, right, okay, what is your goal in the music business? Well, to me, there's not really a music business anymore. Hmm. So, what is your goal? Do you want to just make music? Well, you can do that easily. Yeah. Just sit in a box, play it all, done. It's, the song's written in 10 minutes. Yeah. And you can put it up online and sell it. So that's done. That's achievable. That's not even, it's not even something you have to practice for anymore. And okay, what about playing in front of a couple of thousand people? Well, you know, that's, you know, my song's on Spotify and it's done like two million streams. I've just got a TikTok that's, you know, yeah. 30 second video has got 50,000 likes. I've been validated. I don't, yeah, you know, yeah. I don't need to play at the Isle of Wight Festival or, you know, it's fine. You know, so our goals are very different yeah, to yeah. people's goals now. And I always wonder what I would be like if I was growing up when I was like 12, 13, 14, 15, just sort of starting out in the business, writing my own stuff and playing, and how I would have felt if there would have been YouTube, you know, Instagram, social media, the the the, the ability to just put something up online immediately. God, I'd be mortified. Yeah. Because the star, I was shit yeah. when I was when I was thirteen. I'm glad my my partner Jackie says to me, "I'd love to hear what you sounded like when you was like fifteen. No, I said, you "No, wouldn't. well, oh, no. what do we have for tea? Do you want yeah. Are we? Um, are we? We should go to that thing. No, it's, but she's like, no, honestly, I bet you were good. I said, I really wasn't. Nah. And I said, I don't think anybody should be good when they're nine. No, <laughs> no. for God's sake, when you look when you're looking at all these kids that can play like you know better piano than I can now. Yeah. You know, these singers, I mean, is it, have you heard of the guy, this kid called Justin Lee Schultz? No. If you haven't heard of him, you would oh, have seen Oh, he's the guy, yeah, he's the... He's a kid, kid. Latino. He's an incredible keyboard player, yeah. Oof. I mean, like, but everything. And then he'll pick up a bass. And then, yeah. <laughs> and then he'll pick up the drums and he'll be playing like... And a, his family, his whole family. Whole family. So he's obviously been growing up in that situation mm. all his life and he's been somewhat... It's inevitable that he was going to be a musician. Yeah. But... but and there must be something in the water. And why was why was it inevitable? He was going to be that good at nine yeah, years old. Yeah, I know what I was like when I was nine years old. I was like, I thought I was good. I was a drummer. Oh, really? So cool. I was a drummer for years. That's the first instrument I ever played until the age of about I suppose seventeen or something like that. Yeah. When I, you know, but I started keyboards when I was thirteen, and I started trying out stuff and playing guitar and all this because I wanted to write and I wanted to produce my own records. That's what I was going to ask you. How did you get into the session work? So fast forward to a band like Thunder getting in contact with you saying, do you want to play for us? How did that all come about? And it's as easy as that to do a Netflix-style cliffhanger. <laughs> that was part one of Sam Tanner on the Stage Fright podcast. And if you'd like to help out the show, please sign up to my Patreon where for the price of half a coffee a month, you'll get early ad-free access uh, and high quality. <laughs> ah, fuck. I always think I know this script and then I actually come to say it and I'm just completely forgotten it. Um, as, well, uh, to the pod, as well as some extra bits and conversations. <laughs> patreon.com forward slash dan parkinson music email me any thoughts and ideas you might have for the pod all right stage fright at gmail.com and find us on instagram and twitter twitter at all right i'm dan instagram at the stage fright podcast i need to get them the same at some point make sure you like and subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts and thank you so much for listening and i'll see you in part two bye i'm just gonna let the theme tune play out i think it's alright, isn't it? The theme tune. I just need like a DJ Khaled coming at the end to ruin it. <laughs>